The following is a paid program, and the views expressed on this show do not represent the views of WJZ AM, Intercom Communications, its sponsors, or affiliates. The following is a pre recorded show. Get ready, Baltimore. It's time for some super slams and beatdowns. We've got the cheap shots and the clean finishes. Watch out for the chair. Oh, that's gotta hurt. <laughs> this is Top of the Road. Your Monday night wrestling show on CBS Sports Radio 1300. Now, here's the enforcer. Baltimore's own, Hugh Kuda Jr. Hey, this is a national treasure and the real world's heavyweight wrestling champion, Nick Aldis, and you're listening to Turnbuckle Topics. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Top of the Rope Wrestling Radio. Hope you had a great 4th of July weekend. I know I did. I hope you found a way to somehow stay safe, given... The current, I guess, situation with the virus, uh, but also managed to find a way to have some fun at the same time. But of course, over the past week, we had no shortage of professional wrestling to keep us entertained. NXT and AEW both went with their two-night specials. NXT decided to take the handle of the Great American Bash, given uh, the two Wednesdays it's going on before and after the 4th of July while AEW is doing its Fighter Fest event, which is normally uh, it's, it's normally a one-night pay-per-view, but they decided to do two nights on regular TV. Uh, I believe you're probably going to see that as long as these restrictions and all the health guidelines are still in place when it comes to live crowds with NXT and AEW because you can't just kind of have one big event in a big arena right now. And since TV audiences are the only audience you're going to get, you might as well spread it out over a couple nights. So I'm going to go over what happens there. I'm going to give you an absolutely massive update to the New Japan Cup because the final has already been decided as who's going to fight it out on January 11th at Dominion, which, by the way, there will be fans there. Now, that's in Japan. The plan is for there to be fans there. And I don't know if that's going to hold up. Uh, of course, it seems like pretty much everybody is seeing a rise in COVID cases again. So sometimes that makes governments uh, make changes or roll some, some uh, the tightening of restrictions back. But also in Japan, there has been, there's been a series of floods as well. So I'm sure the government uh, has their hands full there. So I'm curious if that's going to hold up or not. But right now, as far as I know, there will be an audience of some form for New Japan's Dominion on July 11th, which is where the final of the New Japan Cup will take place. But I'm going to start with AEW's Fighter Fest, night one of Fighter Fest. Now, here's something I found very interesting, because both AEW and NXT are doing these two-night events. AEW announced the entire match card for both nights weeks in advance. Two weeks in advance. NXT announced night one's card a week before. And you didn't really know any of the matches, despite the main event, which is Adam Cole versus Keith Lee. Adam Cole is the NXT champion. Keith Lee is the North American champion. Winner takes all. That's going to be the main event. Other than that, you really didn't have that much knowledge of what was going to take place at night two of the Great American Bash. Now we have a much clearer picture of it. Mia Yim is going to face Candice LeRae in a street fight, the main event that I mentioned. So uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting night on Wednesday. But here's what happened on night one of AEW Fighter Fest. First, we had MJF and Wardlow team up against the Jurassic Express, who was represented by Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. I gave it a 7.5 out of 10 for a match. It was actually pretty good. It was a pretty solid opener. Some good heel tactics by MJF and Wardlow. The Jurassic Express looked very impressive. Luchasaurus had a great look for himself. He was even the reason that they got the win. So 
Jurassic Express goes over on MJF and Wardlow, and I give that match a 7.5 out of 10. Let me refresh you guys on my rating system real quick. A 7 is my basis. It's kind of like pH levels. Like, you know how 7 is neutral. 7 means everything got the job done. There really weren't that many mess-ups. There really weren't, but it wasn't anything great either, but it got the job done. It was not a match I would call bad, but I really won't call it good either. If you get an 8 or a 9, you are a good to a very good match. And if you get a 10, you're one of the best matches I've ever seen. To date, there's only ever been one. And that's DIY versus Mustache Mountain at NXT Worlds Collide. That's the only 10 I've ever given so far. Now, if you get under it, if you get a 4 to a 6, it means there might have been some mistakes, there might have been some mishaps, maybe the the storyline just didn't fit, maybe the finish ruined it. Maybe there was a big botch. Maybe somebody got injured. Maybe the wrestlers just didn't look in sync. Or maybe it just wasn't exciting enough to keep my attention. Because remember, these are my personal opinions. And then if you get a one, two, a three, it was a bad match. It, it wasn't a good idea, or none of it really worked, or it looked out of sync, or it looked really slow, or there's quite a few options I could put on that. And then if you get a zero, it was not worth your time. Only ever given one zero. And what that zero was was Goldberg versus The Fiend at Saudi Arabia, at Crown Jewel, because they didn't need that match to happen. So 7.5 for MJF and Wardlow versus Jurassic Express. Then after that, we had the Women's Championship, the AEW Women's Championship, where Hikaru Shida took on Penelope Ford. It was okay. They kind of did a did a good enough amount. They gave him very good time. Penelope Ford, I think, actually had a pretty solid look. Uh, I like how she really does put her her actual background into her style. She was a cheerleader for a long time, so you see that sort of gymnastics-based style and how she wrestles as well. Uh, Hikaru seems like she's going to be the pick at champion right now. I don't know if she's the best option, but I think she's the best option they have right now with Brick, with uh, Britt ba- uh, Brit Baker on the mend, things like that. So... I don't know. Uh, I think they did okay. So I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. It certainly did more than just a job because it got good time. There really wasn't anything botchy, sort of. Kip Sabian wasn't even allowed at ringside. Aubrey Edwards kicked him out from ringside. And Hikaru Shida retained her championship. But it was a solid enough look for Penelope Ford. But the match didn't really do anything to really blow me away. Then we had Proud and Powerful, or Santana and Ortiz, take on Private Party. I I gave... I gave this a 7 out of 10. That It did the job. It's not... Here's the deal. My judgment of AEW tag team matches has drastically changed because of how good their tag team division is. If you don't blow me away with a tag team match in AEW, I'm not going to give you a high rating because all of your tag team matches are of a higher quality than what I'm used to seeing pretty much anywhere else. So... If your match is realistically an eight and a half in WWE or New Japan, I'm probably going to give you a seven and a half in AEW because I expect that from you. So that's why I gave it a seven. It was a decent, it was a decent enough match. It got the job done, but that's really it. Nothing special. So seven out of ten, Private Party got the win, and it looks like Private Party. Uh, knows well. They have an idea who their opponent might be uh, next week. I'm sorry. No, they do know who their opponent is going to be because Private Party faced the winner of the tag team championship match that main evented night one at Fighter Fest. And I'll get to that in a second because after Proud and Powerful lost to Private Party, then the AEW TNT Championship. Ugh. Look, it's an ugly belt. It's got a stupid name. Why did, Why are you making your network more important than your company? I'll never know. And the side plates of the belt are the mansion of the guy who owns TNT. Why are you putting him above your own promotion? You should never do that. Well, Cody defended his championship against Jake Hager. Cody got the win. It, it wasn't that exciting of a match. It didn't really do all that much for me. I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. It got good time. It was okay. There were one or two things that kind of surprised you, but it was what you would expect. It just it wasn't really all that great. So 7.5 out of 10. Cody retains. 
Then we had the tag team championships where Kenny Omega and Hangman Page defended them against best friends. The best friends had a funny kind of introduction. They showed up in a minivan driven by Trent's mom. Uh, that was kind of cute. But other than that, it was another AEW tag match. It had a couple spots that you didn't expect. Decent high flying, a little bit of emotional turmoil. And then that was it. But, you know, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page retained. I gave it another 7.5 out of 10. So all in all, night one of AEW's Fighter Fest was incredibly underwhelming. But I will give them credit for this. I'm happy that it was underwhelming because they did it on a regular episode of Dynamite instead of making it a pay-per-view. If this was a pay-per-view, as in, you know, I, I know I'm saying incredibly obvious, but if this was an event you had to individually pay for, I would have asked for my money back. Was it outright bad? No. But it was okay at best. It was underwhelming. It's what AEW has become in a lot of aspects. Very underwhelming. You can't have all your gimmicks be a bunch of guys in tights. You can't. You need a little bit extra to that. So we'll see. Now, night two of Fighter Fest is on Wednesday. Nyla Rose is supposed to be in action. We don't know who her opponent's going to be, but she's supposed to wrestle somebody. Then we have an eight-man tag team match where the Young Bucks and FTR team up against the Lucha Bros, uh, and then Butcher and Blade as a tag team. So that that should be very interesting. Then Lance Archer is going to take on Joey Janela one-on-one. Colt Cabana is going to team with Stu Grayson and Mr. Brody Lee of the Dark Order to take on SCU. Chris Jericho is going to face Orange Cassidy one-on-one. That should be a lot of fun. And then John Moxley is going to face Brian Cage, but that's not going to be at Fighter Fest. That's going to be a couple weeks down the line at Fight for the Fallen. So you're going to give us a two-week event that's labeled with the same name as a pay-per-view, and you're not going to put your main championship on the line. You got to... Huh? This It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I, I guess you want more promotion time because you can't have a live crowd, but well, I don't understand this at all. So you're not even going to have your main title on the line at Fighter Fest at all, in any way, shape, or form. I don't get it. I don't understand this move in any way, shape, or form. I don't get it. So now night two for NXT, I'll get to that in a second, because night one for the Great American Bash in NXT, I thought was decidedly better than AEW. Now, am I an NXT fan naturally? Yes, I am. I will happily admit that. Uh, am I biased towards NXT? Maybe. That is up to for you to determine. But recently, AEW has lost me quite a bit, if not completely. Every week, it is harder and harder for me to watch the recording of AEW Dynamite. It is harder and harder, and it is now officially to the point where there are, I hope Chris Jericho is funny, I hope Orange Cassidy has a moment, and I'm curious if John Moxley is going to start acting crazy for real. But other than that, I watch it so I can take notes for it, so I can put it on the show. Because I know you guys want to hear my opinions on it. But that's my opinion. That's how I'm giving you my opinion. It has gotten to the point where I do not tune into it strictly because I enjoy it. It has gotten to the point where it is tough to watch as far as wrestling goes. It's tough to watch. Now, I know a lot of you have said that wrestling is tough to watch, period. That none of it has your interest at all because you place way too much importance on there being a live crowd at the event. Now, look, if that really matters to you, that's fine. I actually don't have a problem with you. But the reason I say it with this sort of inflection and this sort of negative connotation is because to me personally, I just don't understand why that's so important to you. Why is it that when somebody says something and the whole crowd goes, yeah, or booze, why is that so important to you? Is it because you really want to be a booker one day? Is it because you really want to run your own promotion and you think you'll be in the back stay in back and in the back with your headphones on listening to crowd reactions, deciding whether or not you should push somebody because of that? 
Because if that's the case, then you need to change how you look at wrestling, most of you. Because you act like that's what you're going to be, but then you get want to give wrestlers a push that have done nothing to earn that push just because they haven't been pushed before. You want to make changes for the sake of changes. And it's not how you run a business like that. Period. So I, I, don't, I, I don't subscribe to that. It hasn't bothered me one bit. One bit that there are no crowds at these events. One bit. Because they're still wrestling. It's still going on. You can still look at it the same way. Do they have to change how they operate? Are they focused on different things than before? And is it different? Oh my God, a change. Be afraid. Yes. But it doesn't mean you just have to huck the whole thing just because it's not exactly what you're used to. But then that's contradictory as well. Because if it's not what, what you're used to, you won't watch it. But all you do is tweet about how it needs to change. And then it does by force and you still won't give it a chance. That is my issue right now. I have fewer people to talk to about this because everyone's given up on it because of this weird combination of it hasn't changed enough, but it's also not what I recognize. I see so many people, one tweet from another go, man, I miss the attitude era when they didn't care about censorship to, oh, they shouldn't have said that, someone might get offended. Look, I'll endorse you with your opinion either way. If you wish it were more attitude area era, cool. I wouldn't mind that. And if you wish it were more conscious to being sensitive to people, fine. I really wouldn't mind that either. Neither of them bother me. My problem is you want it both ways, but you've picked the two things that you want that are actually impossible. And then someone will go, well, it's not impossible. It can be done. And you're right. You know how it can be done? What they're doing right now is what you want. They are being sensitive to so many things while at the same time being just enough, being just reckless enough to do things that still shock you. That's what they're doing right now. They're doing what you want. But because it's not word for word what you say, you're not happy with it. And your Twitter account gives you a voice. And that's fine. Use it. Tweet all you want. My thing is, don't keep coming back and expect it to be different week by week just because of what you tweeted. I tweeted this morning at about 10 to let you guys know I have my show today and to put up my last two shows. That's what I did. So I'm glad you tuned in if you tuned in. If you're listening to this as a podcast later on, thank you for participating. But I'd just like to let you know, the majority of the problem is us, as fans, as why we're not happy. It's not because of what they're doing, it's because of the way we're looking at it. We're looking for the product we're asking for. That's never been what wrestling is. Wrestling is the product that they give you. If you like it, great. If you don't, that's not their problem. I gotta let you guys know about our friends at Pro-Am Belts. Use our promo code TBT15OFF. That's TBT150FF for 15% off your next purchase. We got a custom belt made by them. Fantasy football is coming up, hopefully. Get one for the guy who wins or the girl who wins. Or my favorite, get one for the guy or girl who loses. Get one made for yourself. It looks great. Check out our group Twitter account for that. That's TT underscore for you. That's Turnbuckle Topics. Also check out Etsy, look for the Hidden Talent Company. Our good friend Lynn's from Turnbuckle Topics and her sister are making custom gear. They have a bunch of 4th of July patriotic type stuff that they can put on t-shirts and pretty much anything as long as you organize it for them. Or, well, talk to them, get in touch with them. But go find them on Etsy, that's Hidden Talent Company. When I come back, I'm going to tell you what happened at night one of NXT's Great American Bash, what you can expect on night two, and I will give you a massive update on the New Japan Cup. Stick around. It's going to be fun. Do one thing to protect the environment. It all starts with just one thing. Summer is a great time to start a garden. If you've been spending more time indoors, you might want to consider an indoor garden. Miniature citrus trees, pineapples, tomatoes, and chives are all plants that can be grown indoors and also provide you with food. And if you are doing some gardening outdoors, note that the common household product vinegar can be a safe and effective weed killer. It all starts with one thing. Find tips and more at OneThingUS.com. What's your one thing? 
Stay informed on the latest news, political and election coverage, and business and financial updates with Radio.com. On your phone, smart speakers, and more. Radio.com gives you live local news, keeping you updated on the latest guidelines and reopening plans in your community. Stay up to date on what's going on around the country and the latest financial news from national news leaders like CNN, Fox News, Bloomberg, and more. Listen to the most trusted local and national news on Radio.com and the Radio.com app. A motto for world-class competition has always been faster, higher, stronger. It's the same for Navian, makers of condensing tankless water heaters. Faster to install and set up. Higher performance and efficiency to provide endless hot water. Stronger with the industry's strongest warranty. All because of the copper-free stainless steel heat exchanger built in every unit. Learn about Navian's condensing tankless water heaters and find a Navian contractor at tanklessmadesimple.com. That's tanklessmadesimple.com. It's the perfect time for a powerful business refresh during Dell Technologies' Cyber Savings Event. It starts now with up to 50% off high-performance Windows 10 business laptops, desktops, and servers, plus top-brand electronics. It's also your chance to streamline IT and simplify PC life cycles with PC as a service. Dell Technologies recommends Windows 10 Pro for business. Call 877-ASK-DELL for a Dell Technologies advisor who can help you find the right tech. That's 877-ASK-DELL or visit dell.com slash smallbusinessdeals. Okay, Simon, what are you wearing right now? Nothing. That's right. And what do people normally wear? Clothes. Exactly. So now Mommy's going to teach you how to dress yourself. Clothes keep us warm, they look good, and if we go out without them, the neighbors will talk. So it's important to know how to get dressed. Here's how it's done. Underwear always comes first, name tag at the back, then pants, then shirt. Get the first button in the right hole, or you have to start all over. If you're wearing a tie, it goes over, round, round, through, and pull tight. Tuck your shirt into your pants and zip up your flap. Socks go in first, then shoes right on right, left on left. With shoelaces, just take the ends, cross them over, switch the loops. The rabbit goes down the hole, pull tight, and you left with bunny ears. I love bunnies. Good to know. Now remember, spots don't go with stripes, socks don't go with sandals, and if you've tucked in your shirt, wear a belt. Got it? Why are your pants on your head? Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Miles, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. You're listening to a pre-recorded show. Every Monday night from 6 to 7, it's the top of the rope wrestling show on CBS Sports Radio 1300. Now, once again, here's the enforcer, Gil Kuda Jr. Hey, this is a national treasure and the real world's heavyweight wrestling champion, Nick Aldis, and you're listening to Turnbuckle Topics. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. So, I just described to you uh, AEW's night one of Fighter Fest, which happened last Wednesday, and night two, which is going to happen this upcoming Wednesday. So now let's go into NXT, which ran competition to AEW with their own two-night event called the Great American Bash. Now this, you kind of have to admit, this is fun. That there are two companies with shows on at the same time and the same night, and they're going to do similar things to try and outdo each other. But one of those companies is fundamentally playing at a disadvantage, and that is AEW. Because AEW has a very limited talent pool when it comes to mid-card and lower-card wrestlers. They have a pretty good main event picture, and their tag team division is fantastic, while their women's division needs a lot of work. NXT is one of the stronger women's divisions in professional wrestling. Its tag team division is a little bit slacking nowadays. I can't, I can't really fault that. But they have a pretty solid main event picture, but their mid-card picture is fantastic. And I think that's why AEW is at a disadvantage. You got great guys at the top, and you got tag team wrestling, which WWE has never really been famous for. So, okay, you got good guys at the top, and you got something that WWE doesn't have. But WWE has a great women's division, which is something AEW doesn't have. WWE has a lot of mid-card to upper mid-card guys that can really make a difference with or without a championship. AEW doesn't have that. So I I think that's why they're at a disadvantage. Because a strong mid-card, I think, makes or breaks a roster. Because everybody's going to have main eventers. And you're either going to have a few of them or you're going to have too many of them. But everybody's got them. 
But mid-carders are what make the difference. The mid-card singles racket is what makes the difference. And NXT has a fantastic crop in the middle of that. Why? Because who they pick to be mid-carders are the guys who get picked to be main eventers on other companies. Like, look at AEW. Look at who, who AEW's main event picture is. John Moxley, Jake Hager, Brian Cage, Cody Rhodes, effectively. Are any of those guys main eventers in WWE? The answer is no. None of them. None of them are, and none of them have been, except for John Moxley. But he had a very short run in that aspect. So that's about it. Uh, that's that's why I think they're at a disadvantage. But here is night one of NXT's Great American Bash that happened last Wednesday. We opened with a four-way elimination match that determined the number one contender for the women's championship, where Candice LeRae took on Dakota Kai, Mia Yim, and Tegan Knox. every woman for herself. This was a very well-done match. I thought Candice LeRae was going to get the win. Uh, it turns out she was the first one eliminated, <laughs> uh, which it kind of makes sense now because they're really pushing this Gargano way angle where Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae, uh, who are husband and wife, have turned heel in the biggest way possible. And they're really trying to push their agenda of the Gargano way, which is just basically being a terrible human being trying to win all your matches in heel type ways. And so far it has not been working, but I think it is leading up to an even darker type of heel turn. Cause all they've really done is say, Hey, we're going to be bad people now. That's really all they've done. They haven't actually changed much about themselves. So I think it's, it's heading to a bigger, bigger heel turn, but I gave that women's match an eight out of 10. Tegan Knox got the win, so Tegan Knox will get her shot at Io Shirai or whoever the NXT Women's Champion is in the future. Uh, if it was recent, it would be Io Shirai, as she is the current Women's Champion. But it was a very solid match, 8 out of 10 overall. All the women got a good look. But I have to be honest, I'm a little bit skeptical of Mia Yim in these types of matches because it seems like she kind of loses her way a little bit. Now, it's not anything drastic enough for me to go, man, why is she working here? Because it's not nearly that bad. It just seems like her natural pace is a little bit more deliberate, and it's tough sometimes for the other ladies to warm up to that. And you've even seen the opposite of it. For example, when she had her NXT Women's Championship match against Shayna Baszler earlier this year, Shayna is even more deliberate than Mia is. So Mia was the fast one, and I think she really wasn't used to that. So I think it's just kind of tough for her to adjust sometimes, and it's tough for the other ladies to adjust to her. I just think it takes a little while for them to kind of get their feet under each other with that. As far as during the match, you have to find a rhythm, and I, I don't know if it really clicked as much as it should have. So, But still an 8 out of 10, pretty solid match overall. Then after that, we had Oni Lorkin versus Timothy Thatcher, which was exactly what I thought it would be, exactly what everyone thought it would be, which was a lot of grappling, a lot of mat work, a lot of technique, a lot of submissions, you know, but if it wasn't that, it was just an all-out brawl and a fist fight. So it was very much an all-or-nothing type of match. I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. They did the job and some more, but it was kind of exactly what we expected. I think they're trying to give Thatcher a pretty good push as a heel because he betrayed Matt Riddle before he went to, to the to SmackDown. So I think that's probably why they're, they're doing this. Uh, Lorcan is a good guy to put up against him. Another rough and tumble kind of guy. So uh, we'll see. I think it was okay. I'm not really all the way over on Thatcher quite yet. I think I need to see more of him before he gets over with me as a heel, but I gave it a seven and a half out of 10. Thatcher got the win. It was, it was a good enough match. It did the job. Uh, had a couple things you wouldn't expect. Then after that one, we had the handicap match where Aaliyah and Robert Stone teamed up against Rhea Ripley. Now, here's the thing about Rhea. Rhea is a big woman. She's tall. She, she's a tall, strong woman. And Robert Stone came out dressed up in, you know, boxing gear. He teamed up with Aaliyah, who is now part of the Robert Stone brand, which she's desperately trying to get over. Rhea kind of had fun with this match. Aaliyah had a couple good looks. Robert Stone was fantastic comedic relief. He's doing that role very well for himself. And Rhea got the win by putting both of them in her, I'm, I'm ashamed to say I don't have the name of it in front of me, but the standing clover leaf that she does, she, she had both of them in it at the same time, one with each arm, and that's how they tapped out. So 
good for her. It was a nice little gimmick, but let's get Rhea back in the title picture. You know, this is a nice little one-off to make Rhea look like a million dollars real fast, but let's get her back in the title picture. She doesn't really need this kind of stuff. And Robert Stone, have him keep doing what he's doing, have him sitting on the floor of the uh, of full sale, looking like he's been drinking for three days <laughs> in a messed up suit. Let, let's keep that going because it seems like he's really fit his wheelhouse there. And, and I'm glad that they've attached Aaliyah to him because she really doesn't have much going for herself. Never been a winning wrestler, but it hasn't killed her. She has a good look for herself. I think she's talented. She knows how to sell. I think she's only going to keep getting better. So you might as well attach her to a comedy act and sort of see what happens. And I think that's kind of what they're going going for here. So I gave that an 8 out of 10 because there were a lot of pretty good comedic moments. It was a good look for Rhea. Uh, Aaliyah got some good time. Robert Stone, always funny. So I gave that an 8 out of 10. It was a pretty solid match, but Rhea got the win there. Then after that, we had the strap match where both competitors are tied to each other at uh, by the wrist. Uh, or I'm sorry, at the wrist by a leather strap. Dexter Loomis finally got Roderick Strong one-on-one, and Roddy could not run away. Roddy actually kind of got his confidence about him. He started to get the one-up on Dexter. Dexter was never really phased by it. It went back and forth. It was a lot more brawl than pretty, given the leather strap. Dexter Loomis really isn't much of a wrestler. He just kind of tags you in the face all day. It's a very menacing type of character he plays. Then Bobby Fish came down to give Roderick a strong, to give Roderick Strong a hand, another member of the Undisputed Era. So it was a very solid match. Dexter Loomis got the win with his submission that he is so fam- that he's become famous for. So Dexter Loomis is kind of carving a path out. It looks like he's going after the Undisputed Era, maybe one member at a time. Maybe that's going to be the style here because he went after Roddy individually, so maybe he'll go after another one. The Eras kind of got its hands full. They'd like to have their tag team gold back. Kyle O'Reilly hasn't really been around all that much. Bobby Fish has been in and out. Roderick Strong has been getting chased by Dexter Loomis. And Adam Cole is dealing with Keith Lee for his NXT championship. So the Era has its hand full now, but hands full. But Dexter Loomis beats Roderick Strong in a in the first ever strap match in NXT history. I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. It was a great brawl. It really told the story of these two well. It painted Loomis in a great light. And it looks like they're going to kind of... I'm not saying they're gonna ro- they're gonna strap the rocket ship to Loomis, but it looks like he's gonna get a pretty good push pretty fast because he's very good at what he does. And I think in his case, the lack of a crowd is actually helping him because it lets you focus on him a little bit more. So we'll, we'll see how that one goes. Then we had the main event of the evening where Io Shirai took on Sasha Banks. Neither of their titles are on the line. Io Shirai is the NXT Women's Champion. Sasha Banks is one half of the Women's Tag Team Champions. Bailey was at ringside for Sasha, and Io came down herself. I think they had a very solid match. I think they did very well for themselves. Io Shirai got the win. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Asuka showed up out of nowhere and gave Sasha the green mist in the face. That's what let Io get the win over Sasha Banks. So, or it helped her at least. So I think it was very good. I like Asuka coming in to kind of help him out because Sasha's going after Asuka's Raw Women's Championship. Because remember, Sasha Banks and Bayley have the ability to go to whatever show they would like to because they're the Women's Tag Team Champions. And those are the only championships that are not exclusive to a brand. So they can go to all three of them. While Bayley has had a very impressive women's title streak. She has to defend her title against Nikki Cross at the Extreme Rules Horror Show, while Asuka has to defend against Sasha Banks. So we could have the possibility of Sasha Banks and Bailey, or the Golden Role Models, as they're called, could hold both women's singles titles on the main brand and the women's tag team titles that are available on all three brands. That would be a very interesting power grab, especially with Charlotte Flair taking time off and Becky Lynch being away because she's pregnant. That means the other two horsewomen are probably going to be the focus these days. I don't have a problem with that. So overall, night one of the Great American Bash was a whole lot of fun. Uh, Night two, it looks like we're probably going to see Cameron Grimes versus Damian Priest. 
Mia Yim is going to face Candice LeRae in a street fight. We'll, uh, we might see the tag team titles on the line, but I don't think anything like that has been announced. Uh, I believe it was Fandango, uh, it was Fandango and Tyler Breeze, uh, Breezango came down to give an assist to Drake Maverick. So we're going to see Drake Maverick and Breezango team up in a six man tag match to face the entirety of, uh, Lego del Fantasma, which is the new cruiserweight faction led by the cruiserweight champion Santos Escobar teaming up with Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde. So I think uh, that one's going to be a lot of fun. That'll be a, a solid six-man. So we'll see what happens. And then, of course, the main event, Keith Lee versus Adam Cole, baby, for the NXT Championship and the North American Championship. Winner takes all. That is a tough call to make on who is going to win that one. But... If you haven't watched Great American Bash or Fighter Fest, I highly recommend Great American Bash over Fighter Fest, but I do recommend you watch both of them for some contrast. Or if you just want to watch more wrestling, please feel free to do so. Now, of course, the New Japan Cup uh, is right in the throes of it. We have actually have a final decided. Last time I talked to you guys, we had gotten halfway through the second round. Well, now we've gotten all the way to the final. So let me kind of give you a quick one here. Tomohiro Ishii lost to Hiromu Takahashi in the quarterfinals. Kazuchika Okada beat Taji Ishimori in the quarterfinals. Taichi, who beat Ibushi, he faced Sonata, who beat Sho, and Sonata got the win to go to the semifinals. Then Yoshihashi, who beat Bushi, faced Evil, who beat Goto, and then Evil beat Yoshihashi, so we had Evil versus Sonata as one part, one half of the semifinals, and Hiromu Takahashi versus Okada as the other half of the semifinals. So Evil and Sonata, even though they're both members of LIJ, had to face each other, respectful competition. Evil got the win in that one, while Okada beat Hiromu. So the final of the 2020 New Japan Cup on the 11th will be the Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada versus Evil. And I am ecstatic about it. Now, let me remind you guys about our friends at Pro-Am Belts. Use their promo code TBT15OFF for 15% off your next purchase. From there, they made a great belt for us. They can make one for you. Check out their As Seen on TV category. They'll make you any belt that was seen on TV. Also, check out Etsy. Look for the Hidden Talent Company. It's custom gear by Turnbuckle Topics' very own Linz. She's doing a lot of patriotic stuff for 4th of July. Go check that one out. She'll give you a great deal. She'll work with you on just about anything. So when I come back, I will break down the final of the New Japan Cup in a lot more detail. What I think went down on SmackDown and whether it was right or wrong. And what we might see tonight on Raw. Stick around. It's going to be fun. Since their earliest days, Dogfish Head has woven off-centered beers and iconic music together. Check out Dogfish Head's full lineup of off-centered ales, including favorites like 60-Minute IPA and Slightly Mighty IPA at dogfish.com. Please drink responsibly. Jeremy Kahn here, and having played all kinds of sports for most of my life, I often wake up with unforgiving aches and pains. So when I found out about BioRemedy's topical-based CBD products for muscle and joint pain, I thought, man, I need to give this a try. And all I can say is I love these products. I use them every day. They've helped me tremendously, and they can help you too. All you have to do is check them out at bioremediesmd.com. Make sure you use CBD30 to receive 30% off your entire purchase. Bioremediesmd.com. Jason Lock and Fora here. Need a new roof? Roofrite's the only place to call with an industry-best 98% satisfaction rating. Roofrite also excels at roof repairs, siding, gutters, windows, decks, and patios too. Let Roofrite cool your home and lower your energy costs by upgrading your insulation. Proper insulation turned our dingy attic into my at-home studio for the fan. Get 30% off insulation when you purchase a roof with 0% financing if paid within 18 months. Some restrictions apply. Act now. Offer expires July 31st. Visit RoofRight.com today or call 410-210-4585. RoofRight is here to serve. Happy Monday? No, Wednesday? It's definitely Saturday, right? 
Losing track of what day it is, you've never spent this much time in your home before, and you're starting to see what your house really looks like. Time to get a Jerry's home, update your kitchen, that faded siding, those drafty windows, and that leaky roof before you have visitors again. Jerry's currently offers free estimates with many financing options available. Call Jerry's Siding and Roofing today at 410-766-6800 or visit jerrysiding.com. At Advance Auto Parts, we take the guesswork out of your oil change. Our experts will help you find the right oil, the right filter, at the right price every day. Get five quarts of full synthetic Valvoline Mobile One, Castrol Edge, or Pennzoil Platinum with the Fram Titanium Oil Filter for just $33.99. Plus, this July, we're donating $1 to Building Homes for Heroes with every five-quart bottle of Valvoline sold. Advance your auto at Advance Auto Parts and participate in CarQuest locations. See store for details. I absolutely love my dog, but the constant shedding, not so much. But then I got a Swiffer Sweeper pet kit, and it is amazing. These super thick cloths pick up a crazy amount of hair. Just look at all that. And that was from just one swipe. And the best part? Sweeper's so much easier to maneuver than a broom or a vacuum, easily getting around chairs and under the couch. You're right. Now I can focus on you, not your shedding. Swiffer Sweeper Pet Kit. Because shed happens. Valor Roofing honors our veterans by awarding a new roof to a retired veteran each quarter of the year. To nominate a veteran in need, visit the contest page at 1057thefan.com and raise a roof for a veteran. You're listening to a pre-recorded show. This is Top of the Room. Every Monday night from 6 to 7 on CBS Sports Radio 1300. Now, give it up for the enforcer, Kill Kuda Jr. Hey, this is a national treasure and the real world's heavyweight wrestling champion, Nick Aldis. And you're listening to Turnbuckle Topics. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Here on Top of the Rope Wrestling Radio. So I gave you a breakdown of night one of both Fighter Fest and of the Great American Bash in NXT. Fighter Fest was in AEW. I told you what's going on in the New Japan Cup. Our final is Kazuchika Okada versus Evil from LIJ. Now the New Japan Cup has been an absolute blast. I'm so thrilled that New Japan is back. Finally. And Okada versus Evil seems like a dream final to me. But the question is, who do you think wins and why? See, part of me thinks that Evil gets the win. The reason why Evil gets the win is Shingo, who is also part of LIJ, he is the never open weight champion, and he's one third of the never open weight six-man tag team champions. Then you have Naito, who is the IWGP heavyweight champion and the IWGP intercontinental champion. Then you have Bushi, who is one-third of the never-openweight six-man tag team titles, or champions. Then you have Evil, who is the last part of it. So everyone in LIJ has gold. Naito won the G1 Climax and beat Okada for the titles at Wrestle Kingdom. Shingo is the never open way champion, part of the six-man champs. I know I'm repeating myself, but I'm doing that to make the point here. LIJ has won basically all of their six- and eight-man tag matches in the past four months, even before COVID lockdowns hit. They are trying to push them to the top. New Japan has, is known for making an entire group the top of the industry or, or their company. They did it with Bullet Club. And AJ Styles was the IWGP heavyweight champion. When Kenny Omega, I believe, was the, was the was junior heavyweight or something along those lines. They had the six-man titles. They had the world tag team titles. They had the super... They had every belt. The Bullet Club basically had every title. And right now, LIJ pretty much has every title. So I believe they're going to continue to push it. Why? Because they had Shingo Tagagi... In, have a great run in the Super Juniors. Naito has had a great run as champion. When it comes to the to the G1. So why not have Evil win the New Japan Cup? 
Because if Okada wins it, it'll be... Uh, he's won it a couple times before this. So part of me thinks it'll be evil because it'll be a new face. They'll come back. It'll be a little bit of a surprise. Also, if you look at who evil beat to get to the final, it was not an easy run for who evil had to beat. Here, let, let's go by that then. Let's look at who they had to beat to get here, okay? Evil opened against Hideki Kojima. He, he opened against... Kojima. I always say Hideki Kojima. And it's not Hideki Kojima. Hideki Kojima is the guy who runs the company Kojima that makes video games. <laughs> I, I am spaced on the first name of Kojima from New Japan. But it is not the same guy. And I always accidentally say that. I apologize. So Kojima faces evil first. Evil gets the win. Okay. Then evil has to face Hiroki Goto, who, by the way, was everyone's pick to win this whole thing, was Hiroki Goto. Then evil beats him. Then he has to face Yoshihashi. Now, some people would go, eh, that's not really that bad, you know. And Yoshihashi beat Tenzan, who was a legend of the business. And then Yoshihashi beat Bushi. Now, some people might go, yeah, that's really not that big of a deal. But nobody would have expected Yoshihashi to make it this far, especially Tony from Champions Advantage. Nevertheless, he faces Yoshihashi, who is here by a couple of upsets. So maybe you have, he's facing somebody who's on a hot streak that nobody would expect to be here. Anyway, Evil beats that guy. Then Evil has to face Sonata, who's a member of his group, LIJ. And Sonata had to beat Taguchi, the coach, and he had to beat Sho from Sho and Yo or Pongi 3K, who just beat Shingo Takagi. So Sonata had to beat that guy, and Sonata did. Then Evil had to face Sonata, who both had very tough roads to get in, either facing guys who won through upsets or tough competition with a lot of experience, and Evil came out on top between the two of them. So based on the path, Evil seems very battle-tested and very ready for this final. Now let's look at Okada. He opened against Gato. Yeah, he got his revenge on Gato, finally. All Gato tried to do was cheat the whole time, use a million weapons, all that good stuff. But was it really a difficult match for Okada based on competition? The correct answer to that question is no, absolutely not. Then he had to face Taji Ishimori. Now, that's a pretty tough, comp that's pretty tough competition. Former junior heavyweight champion, definitely a star on the rise. Ishimori in the first round had to beat Gabriel Kidd, who was a young lion. So eh, it didn't really come off that hot a competition. Still on the rise, decent young star, but not really anybody that Okada should lose too much sweat over. Okay, so Okada beats him. Then Okada has to beat Hiromu Takahashi. Recently came back. Who has Hiromo beaten? Hiromo beaten uh, Honma, who was his perfect opponent, had a great match against him. And then after Honma, had to face Yanu, uh, Toru Yano, which is always an interesting uh, person to deal with because, you know, comedy wrestling, but very much a trickster. Then after that, he had to face Tomohiro Ishii, one of the toughest guys in New Japan. And then he had to face Okada, right? While Okada had to go Gato, then Nagata, then Ishimori. I think a tougher road was for Hiromu. Nevertheless, Okada beat Hiromu. So now we've got Okada versus Evil. My money, or I'm sorry, my brain says Evil. But the money says Okada because they've been away. They just came back. He was on a bit of a losing streak. He's not the world champion anymore. The faction of chaos that has not really been that big of a part of things recently. So maybe they need, they feel the need to shove Okada back into the spotlight to keep him in that position. And a great way to do that would be for him to win another New Japan Cup. So I'll put it to you that way. My brain and my heart say evil is going to win the New Japan Cup. But my wallet, if I was putting money on it, would say Okada. So... That is my synopsis of the final of the New Japan Cup. But there's more going on than just the New Japan Cup. Matt Riddle got an in-ring competition on SmackDown on Friday on the observed holiday of 4th of July, the day before. A lot of people got off work that day, but these folks did not. 
Matt Riddle went up against John Morrison. It was a seven and a half out of ten match. It was pretty good. It didn't really need Corbin to be a part of things. And it looks like they're kind of grouping Corbin with Miz and Morrison again. Now, I really don't have a problem with that because if it means they're going to stop all this crap they've had Miz and Morrison doing, the whole hey, hey, ho, ho stuff, good. Because uh, it never got me over. Corbin is a great up and down classic heel and it looks like we're going to get more of him we're going to get more hollywood miz and morrison just being a conniving self-centered heel like he was when he changed his name from johnny nitro when he won the ecw title all those years ago so we'll do that so hopefully that's what that's what we're headed then aj styles defended his intercontinental title against drew gulak now, this was a good match, and I think it could have been better. The problem is they had Daniel Bryan popping in on a Zoom call during the match, and like a little picture-in-picture, and he would describe like why he liked Gulak and why he made him his coach and stuff. And it kind of took away from it. It, it. it would have gotten a better rating if they didn't do this. I gave it an 8 out of 10 because it was a very solid match. It was very well done. Gulak looked great. AJ's continues to prove why he should be holding the belt in WWE. One of the best in the world still, especially, at least by my opinion. So I gave it an 8 out of 10. It could have gotten an 8.5 if they didn't have Daniel Bryan popping in like an ad on YouTube or something. But unfortunately, they did. And it took a little bit away from it. Then we had Sasha Banks and Bailey come out and give themselves a tribute, a video tribute that they said would make the Undertaker's video tribute look bad. And then they, after the tribute, they came out, or I'm sorry, before the tribute, Bailey pretended like she was having a phone call with the Undertaker and how the Undertaker said, like, I'm so thrilled that they're doing this for you guys because you've been always been better than me. I'm paraphrasing. But that's effectively what she did. Now, here's the thing. I never thought that Bailey would truly work as a heel, but that's because I didn't think she would be the kind of heel that she is. I thought she would be one of these, you know, sort of silent killer type you know, hold in submission holds extra, beat you up a little extra after the match type heels. And she's not. She's just a straight up annoying, just insufferable type of person as a heel. And it works for her because she's really, really good at it. Okay. I'm the guy with the I'm a hugger t-shirts. I'm the guy who was all about the, the Bailey face gimmick in NXT. And now I can't stand her. And it's because she's such a great heel. Now, Sasha's always been a great heel, so I can't really change my opinion. She's always been a great heel, so I think they should keep doing what they're doing. Well, they did the tribute video. After that, they were interrupted by Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. They had a great verbal back and forth that set up a match between Alexa Bliss and Bayley. I liked it. And Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross feuding with them for their tag team titles. That's, that's pretty cool because you know what? It brings star power to them again because Sasha is challenging for the Raw Women's title it was right after she fought the NXT Women's Champion in a non-title match and Bailey is already the Smackdown Women's Champion who has to face Nikki Cross who is part of that tag team so all the titles are effectively in they're all centrally placed but they're in multiple storylines at the same time and I think it's a very smart way to go about it then we had the match of Bliss versus Bailey. Bailey won by DQ. Bailey was not in her wrestling gear. Uh, Sasha kind of helped her win. You know, oh, those dastardly heels. Seven and a half out of ten match. It did the job in a little extra. Then after that, we had Kofi Kingston versus Shinsuke Nakamura. There has been a feud between the New Day and uh, Cesaro and Shinsuke because Cesaro and Shinsuke feel they have been underappreciated as a tag team. Because I got to be honest, I feel like Cesaro. And again, I don't want to speak for the man because I don't know him personally, but it seems like he's kind of cool with where he's at. You know, he's not a spring chicken in wrestling terms anymore, but he doesn't seem to mind tag team wrestling. He's very accomplished. Everyone's always said he should have been a world champion at least once. And I don't know if I agree with world champion, but, you know, intercontinental champion, big time singles champion and have a good run with it. Yeah, probably. And Shinsuke Nakamura, I, I just think he's he's happy to just. He's taking whatever they give him, and he seems thrilled with it. And those two as a team is a very dominating-looking type force. So I kind of like where they're going with this. Shinsuke had a one-on-one -on -one match with Kofi. There really wasn't that much interference, except at the beginning when Big E and Cesaro were at ringside. 
then the ref kicked both of them out from ringside, and it was a very fun match. It was very technical. It was very well done. Shinsuke Nakamura got the win basically cleanly. It was it was very well done. So I gave an A out of ten. I think they did awesome. Then after that, we had what finished off the show, which was a toast to Jeff Hardy, where Sheamus had a portable bar brought out in the ring. Sheamus was at home. He was having a toast to Jeff, and Jeff was in the ring with Sheamus's personal bartender, and he offered him a glass of champagne. Now, of course, Jeff Hardy has had a very long history with uh, addiction, and he's gotten over it, and they're using this as storyline fodder. Now, a lot of people have an issue with that, and I understand that. A lot of people have been through this. Uh, a lot of people don't like to see this on an average basis. That This can really rub people the wrong way to massively understate it. And Jeff Hardy brings it up, but I have a feeling that they wouldn't do this unless Jeff signed off on it. Okay? This is going on Fox. That is network television. Okay? So I, I don't think they would do it unless he was okay with it. But besides all that, this was a terrible segment. I gave it a six and a half out of ten. It was terrible. They they weren't in person with each other. So Seamus was up on the big screen. Jeff took the, the glass of champagne from the bartender. He poured it on the bartender's head. He hit him a couple times. Then he did a swanton bomb to him. And then he kind of taunted Seamus on the top rope for the screen. So what? It, it wasn't, there really wasn't much to it. They really didn't need to do it. And not only that, but I didn't need to end the show with it. That's for sure. Now, tonight on Raw, the only thing I can go for, I can tell you about is there will be a champion versus champion match where Bailey, the SmackDown Women's Champion, will come over to Raw tonight to face Asuka, the Raw Women's Champion. So that one should be a lot of fun. We're going to have our first double champion in NXT history this Wednesday. But the good news is... We'll also have a winner of the New Japan Cup, as that will be on the 11th. So, guys, that is it for me. I got to get out of here. I hope you enjoyed the wrestling. I hope you continue to enjoy the wrestling. Please be safe out there. I know some of the restrictions are coming back. But don't worry, man. We'll all get through this. Stay tough through it. We'll be good. That's it for me. I'm gone. The preceding was a paid program, and the views expressed on this show do not represent the views of WJZ AM, Intercom Communications, its sponsors, or affiliates. Reaching out to a friend about their mental health can feel awkward, which is why it helps to have something to break the ice. You could go for a walk or grab a slice of pizza. And if you're not driving, you could even use this commercial break to text them. See? That was easy. Reach out to a friend about their mental health. Find more ways to help at SeizeTheAwkward.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and the Jed Foundation. You've been camping in your backyard, cycling in your living room. You've been enjoying rain showers in your bathroom, campfires on your TV screen. You've been counting stars and birds from your window and holding family cookouts in the kitchen. Now, get ready to go. Go on a real vacation. Take the wheel at your nearest RV dealer or at GoRV.com. A better tomorrow starts today with Wendy's Breakfast. A tomorrow that says bacon, not bacant. Where fresh eggs rain like opportunity. Honey butter goodness is spread. And the frosty is chinoed. At Wendy's, we don't ask what tomorrow holds, but rather, what will you hold tomorrow? Will it be the breakfast baconator or the honey butter chicken biscuit? No matter what you choose, tomorrow's looking good. At participating U.S. Wendy's. My name is Dale Pazinski. I'm 19 years old, and this is how I live United. I've always been kind of a computer geek, and I found a way to use those skills to help the homeless in my community. For people facing hard times, computer skills and a basic resume are so important. It may seem like a small thing, but it makes a huge difference in people's lives. 
So with United Way, I created a program where I work with the homeless. Together, we go through their whole job history, write a resume, and then save it on their very own USB drive. We provide workbooks and training certificates. I even budgeted for cupcakes so we can celebrate as a class when one of our people gets a job. That's huge. When somebody says, hey man, that job that you helped me apply for, I got it. That's what Living United feels like to me. My name is Dale Pazinski. I help people achieve financial independence. So I don't just wear the shirt, I live it. Give, advocate, volunteer, live united. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Well, Jason, I've got to tell you, you're pretty much everything this company is looking for in an entry-level candidate. Great. Your resume isn't quite what we're used to, but you've got a fantastic work ethic. Thank you. And I'm impressed by how you carry yourself. So, should we talk about the job? Uh, what? The job? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I have no way of recruiting or even meeting you. This interview didn't happen. It may sound ridiculous, and that's because it kind of is. There's a huge pool of talent your company is missing out on. Meet the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Man, we really could have used him. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. CBS Sports Radio 1300 is WJZ AM Baltimore, WJZ FM HD3, Cajunsville, Baltimore. Your home for Towson University Sports and live sports talk around the clock.